ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Coming to you live from the Knicks Place 30th Anniversary Celebration at Rocky Ridge and Rustheimer. Now, step into the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios with the Bees themselves, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? It's the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George filling in for Jeremy Brand alongside Joel Blank. As always, we are here at Nick's Place, one of my favorite places. I have seen Conor McGregor knock people out multiple times at this place, so I love being here. Lots of great memories. There we go. Now the speakers are working a little bit. Trying to figure. Th- I'm a one-man band over here, Blankers. Don't be giving me that look. No, no, no. I'm giving it to Nick because Nick and I are going to show you just how you dated yourself in a wrong way when you said, oh, I've been here and seen Conor McGregor knock people out lots of times. You know what I've seen when I've been here? Porn stars. Uh, <laughs> Vernon Maxwell. I've seen the best of the best in athletes and maybe even in porn if you include Ron Jeremy who sat probably in that chair right there. We've done it all here at Nick's Place. Well, That's I why just, it's awesome. I just assumed you would be like, Throwing like Mike Tyson or Muhammad Ali references if I'm talking boxing and MMA since you're so old. No, not the. I mean, the fact that I've met Mike Tyson and those guys is different. But no, Nick's place an institution. Happy 30th anniversary from me personally. But this is awesome to be out here all day. Phenomenal place. This was sports bars and the place to be before people started creating sports bars and the place to be. And it's still here and it's still kicking ass and we love it. So Absolutely. that's why we're great to be it's here. It's great to be out here. We'll be back out here in a couple weeks yep. for the for the Christmas party. So not going to be our last stop here in 2023. But obviously, Joel, we have a lot of stuff to get into today. We have the Houston Texans taking on the Denver Broncos this weekend. We've got a real question mark of like how many people are actually going to watch that game on TV this weekend. That's a big deal. We'll talk about that a little bit. DJ Biennemi from ESPN.com. Will join us in studio or in here at Nick's Place. In Nick's Place. Thank you. Uh, We'll play Who Said It, of course. We'll talk some Rockets, some shows. We'll hit all of it today here on the Killer Beast. So we'll start with the game this weekend. Broncos, Texans. You know, you and Jeremy yesterday talked deep dive into, you know, is this a playoff eliminator for the Houston Texans this weekend? So just looking at the game itself, you have a team that's won five straight games. They really have turned it around since the beginning of the season defensively for the Broncos. And we know what the Texans are. They are a good football team that, you know, sometimes has struggled to get the big W at the end, whether it's Matt Amendola or you're playing the Panthers earlier this season. But you look at this game on Sunday at NRG, what is, like, the key for you to see a victory from the Houston Texans against the Broncos? I think it's pretty simple. I think it's the same aspect of football on both sides of the sidelines. I think from a, a, a from a Texans perspective, you got to run the football. I think you got to have balance so that CJ is able to kind of keep the offense in the context of not being chased out of the pocket on every play. And if you're only getting two or three yards a carry at best, then you're going to be in, in third and long situations a lot more than he needs to be. Uh, and then he's going to be doing a lot of things off script. So I think that the Texans have to run the football. They should be able to do that. The Broncos defense running uh, against the run is not great. And on the flip so they have to run it. And then on the flip side, they have to stop the run. Because when we had Chad Brown on earlier in the week from Denver, uh, an ex-NFL linebacker, all-pro guy that knows, knows football and knows the Broncos, he literally said the reason why the Broncos are experiencing success is because Sean Payton is kind of, not that he's dummied down the offense, but he's taken Russell Wilson out of situations where he's trying to be a hero. And they run the football very well, and so they run it a lot. We've seen the Texans go through times when they can stop the run. 
and then other weeks when they can't, and this is one where they definitely have to stop the run. Yeah, it's funny. Like, when you watch the Broncos play right now, it reminds me of the original run of the Legion of Boom, Russell Wilson, where, like, when he came into the NFL, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks didn't ask him to do too much. But at the end of the game, you might need him to. And, like, that's what we've seen from them so far is, like, Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan's been really good from the last couple games. And then you've got a good defense that has really turned it around since, you know, they gave up 70 to the Dolphins. I, honestly, I think one of my keys is now that we know that Dalton Schultz, it's not officially official yet, but Dalton Schultz, not going to play this weekend. And so really it's the Brevin Jordan show. And yeah. I thought last week when Schultz got hurt and early in the season when Schultz wasn't being used, like you saw this Texans offense look so much different. I think one of the keys to a, a win this weekend for the Texans is Brevin Jordan's got to show up in a big way. I think they need and CJ needs that help from the tight end position to make things easier. We don't know what's going to happen with Noah Brown. Tank Dell, uh, he is practicing for the second day in a row, so he should be good to go. He said himself he'll play. But, you know, how effective he will be will be the question. But I think Brevin Jordan's going to be a big factor into what happens with the Texans this week. He almost has to be, right, because of the fact that you lose a guy that when you you hear C.J. talk throughout the year, it's like Big Brother. Big Brother was there to guide him through the early stages, to get comfortable in the league. Big Brother's his safety valve and, and is able to be there when he needs to you know, bail out and get the ball to somebody. Big Brother's had some big catches and some big moments to help C.J. kind of keep drives alive or actually win some football games. Him out, we already talked about coming into the season before they signed Dalton Schultz, their tight end room was awful. And so now... You're looking for a guy that hasn't had a whole lot of looks that came in in the last series uh, of the last game, and now you're expecting him to do some big things. Big kid, big possibilities, but the biggest thing he's got to do is if C.J. needs him and throws the ball to him, he's got to catch it, he's got to make sure he secures it, and he's got to give C.J. that kind of option that he has to have the way he likes to run the offense. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely a, it's a big one. The other one I look at a lot is I think, you know, you look at the last two games for the Texans, the one thing that has been – a bigger problem the last two weeks than it was the rest of the season was turnovers. And, like, it's so cheesy so often to say limit the turnover battle, win the turnover battle in a game versus the Broncos, but they've had too many mistakes the last couple weeks, and they need to button that up this weekend because I think with the Broncos' game plan, what they've done is, is try to limit people's points and have just one drive, two drives where Russell Wilson executes, gets the ball to Cortland Sutton in the red zone, and they get a victory. If you can get a 14, a 10-14 point lead in this game early on, it's over. I don't think they can chase you down. I think you're right, and I think that one of the things that they have to do, aside from what I said stopping the run, is you got to make Russell Wilson in the running game uncomfortable, right? you gotta, you got to kind of stifle the running game early on a couple of drives so they feel like they can't run rough shot. And then put some pressure on Russ. We've seen the fact that we know that it, it, no matter how many sacks they get home for or not, Grenard can get to the backfield. He can get into the backfield and he can make a quarterback feel uncomfortable. And, and we also know that Will Anderson Jr. has been pretty damn good against the run and when, you kind of, when he pins his ears back. So you've got to make Russell Wilson uncomfortable, and then you've got to try and force him to make a mistake or two early on. I think that's where your key is in terms of trying to get that turnover. What's like just like your general feel going into the game? Like, do you feel confident? Do you feel like this is a? You know, I heard Michael and Josh talking about that. I'm sure it's been talked about all day on the station. But you know, Michael was saying he doesn't feel good 
about the game going to this, like going to the game this weekend. It is a big one. Like if you lose this game, I don't think it's an eliminator from the playoffs, but it sure as hell makes life more challenging to make it. So I, what's like you're just like how's your stomach feeling? My gut feeling is I, I don't want. Uh, my biggest fear is what happened in the Carolina game where they just didn't seem ready and they just didn't and they weren't ready for prime time. And if it, and then my other kind of gut feeling is this is going to turn out to be like the Arizona game or the Jacksonville game, where it's going to be tight. It's going to be, you know, both teams trying to, you know, exchange body blows. They're going to try and, you know, get a lead and try and hang on to it, but the other team's going to make a run and come back. And I think that they're going to have to play their best football in the fourth quarter to kind of seal the deal and win the game. And that's something that it intrigues me, but it also worries me to a little bit because as much as CJ's been able to do that, there's also been times where they've fallen short, like last week. Uh, Lamont just texted us or tweeted at us. Uh, heard Denver media describe the current Broncos team as the Tebow era of Broncos, that they are so bad offensively, but their defense is strong and do just enough to at the end to get the win. I think that's a good point, too. Like, the, the, the Tebow Broncos were – you remember, like, it was like every week people would just have to remember, like, Tim Tebow would just find a way. Yep. Like, you would watch yep. the games. You're like, this guy sucks. He's not a good NFL quarterback. But the Broncos just kept finding a way to win, even when they won that playoff game, uh, when Demarius Thomas caught the, that slant versus the Steelers. Like, it was just they found a way to win. I think that's a great example. Like, the Tebow era Broncos, the early Russell Wilson Seahawks, like, their defense is good enough that they just find a way to keep them in games. And like I said, like, I think if you can, if you get the ball first, like, I, I would take the ball first. I'm always the aggressive mentality in that. I know most NFL teams, yeah, I don't like that. they disagree with me. They take the ball in the second half. But if you can get a 10-point, 14-point lead to start the game, I just think you're going to get Joe, – Russell Wilson's going to make huge mistakes. I hear what you're saying, but isn't it better I, – I would counter that by saying you can do the same thing, but at a later point in the game when it makes more sense. Sure. If you get the ball for the last possession of the first half and you get the ball to start the second half, you can still get that 10-plus point lead and you can hammer him. And especially if you had a lead going into those final two drives – you can really establish everything and put it away. Because I think you're right. I think the Tebow-era Denver Broncos that made the playoffs and were able to do some things, including win a playoff game, they did it with one drive and one big play. And one, whether it's fluky or not, one way to kind of do something that you didn't expect out of them. And they ended up walking away with a victory, and you ended up scratching your temple going, how the hell did that just happen? You can prevent all that if you can establish it. You're at, if you're at home, right, and you're able to send a message you kick the ball off, you hold them on the first possession, and then right away you score, now you've already sent a message. Now you've thrown the first punch that's landed. Now it's manage the game in the middle. Take that last drive if you can, but start the second half the same way you started the first half, getting points, and that's going to put them on their heels. Uh, one thing I just want to mention here, too, you know, Jeremy's not here. Isn't he? So we've got to make sure that we get our Cougs references in. Uh, we do have a report today. That uh, from someone in, in the New Orleans area, mm-hmm. that Willie Fritz is likely to get bought out of Tulane and could be the next head coach of the Houston Cougars. I think if that happens, that would be a great home run hire. I mean, he almost left them last year at Tulane to go to, I think it was Georgia Tech. Um, but seeing Willie Fritz in Houston, like that would be a monster move for that program. We'll talk some college football later as well, but I just saw that pop across my timeline. I want to make sure people are aware. People poking a lot of holes it. in that, going, you know, what has he really done there, and has he, has he done enough, and then they're going to throw a lot of money to keep him. Look, U of H has got enough money, and I saw those tweets too. If they want him, they'll get him, and I think he'd be a good fit right now for this program as they try and move positively forward. Well, and look, if what has he done for you lately? I know it's ifs and buts, but if the, if the 12-team college football playoff had started this year, Willie Fritz would be coaching in a college football playoff game 
this year. So Last two he, years, if that's his resume, like, there's your Janet Jackson, by the way, who's in town tonight. Uh, and, and are make you sure going to go see Janet Jackson? I've right? seen her too many times already. I'm good. Why? Because I don't need to. That's like I, your go-to? Janet Jackson's awesome, but I, I just don't I need know. to see her again. Who, is the, who have you seen in concert the most? Because oh, now man. I feel like the answer is Janet Jackson. Van Halen, Motley Crue. Okay. Um, the other guys don't. A lot of the more modern people don't tour as much. Like, you know, those guys toured every chance yeah. they got a chance to make dollars and see girls on the road. I know we just gave away tickets the other day to Earth, Wind, and Fire in Chicago. How many times have you seen that? I've seen Earth, Wind, and Fire probably five okay. or six, and I've seen Chicago twice. All right, we will continue to preview Broncos-Texans this weekend. What are your thoughts on the game? What do you want to see from C.J. Stroud this weekend? And of course, and we'll touch on this, you know, kind of like what's going on uh, in the world of television and how it might be difficult for you to uh, – well, you might not be able to watch the game this weekend, honestly. Uh, so Better get to for, Nick's place. So for the olds, uh, if you can't make it to Nick's place this weekend, which is what you should do, I'm going to teach people how they can find the game online. We're also going to do that in the next segment. It's the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Time to wake up. Hey, you, finally awake. You were trying to cross the border, right? Back to the celebration of 30 years of Nick's Place. Hey, Nick, can we get these guys some complimentary beers and calzones? Hey, they're working hard in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios. It's the Killer Bees, Joel and Jeremy. No Jeremy today. Joe George, Joel Blank here with you on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Shout out Jonathan. Just came over, introduced himself. We got Crystal's here, Donna's here, Alex is here. Come hang out at Nick's Place. We're here celebrating the 30th anniversary. So, Blankers, you know, it, it's interesting this weekend. One question we have later in the show, which I can't wait to talk about, I almost decided to flip it to now, was what would have happened if things were flipped, if we, if the Texans would have got Peyton and the Broncos would have got D'Amico. But uh, for some people, uh, it might be hard to watch the game this weekend, Blankers. This is a big problem, and this, for a lot of people that have been here for a long period of time, it's a problem that seems to keep reoccurring, and that is that Tegna and Channel 11 – and the Tegna stations across the country do not have a deal anymore with DirecTV. It's expired. If you have DirecTV and you want to watch the game at home and you watch your Texans games at home, you may be in big trouble because they're going to tr- try and direct you to how to stream it, to how to get it online, to how to get it a different way. And I don't think enough people have allowed this to resonate with them until you get to Sunday and you get close to game time. There is going to be an outrage when people try and watch this game on Sunday and realize they can't watch it on Channel 11 if they've got a satellite, a DirecTV, and it's going to go nuts. I was watching DirecTV's customer service reps. Sure they are. Uh, they they uh, were trying to respond to every response of a tweet to either the Cron or KHOU saying that the game might not be available. Oh, we'll DM you. But in the meantime, let us tell you your other options. No chance anybody's following those. And with a game this big that's this important, this could be a big deal. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. My guess is, like, gut feeling they get it figured out before everything happens on Sunday. Because you know the last time this happened, Joe, how long it took? Well, is this, are you talking about Comcast? It was No, this was three weeks ago. I mean, uh, three years ago. No, I don't remember that. Three years ago, KHOU had the same problem, and it took three weeks. Really? 
and that means everything. That means the news. That means the, the national shows on CBS during the week. That means college football and pro football. That means everything. It took three weeks. Yeah, I'm a YouTube TV guy, so I, I uh, avoid this. That's what I would recommend. They have free seven-day trials if you sign up. So if you can't make it to the next place to watch a game, hit up YouTube TV. You're only like 10 seconds behind. You just can't really I look at Twitter. That, I hate the delay. It's hard. It's hard. I remember last year, the worst one I've ever been a part of was I was at a station that I no longer work at, obviously. And uh, Jordan Alvarez hit the home run to give the uh, Astros the lead in the World Series. Uh-huh. We were like a minute and a half behind. Like we knew, like just looking at social media, because we were doing a Rockets game. Yeah. We were like a minute and a half behind, and we finally saw what happened. But when you look at the game this week, and we kind of gone over some of the keys, what's just your view on how it plays out actually on Sunday? Texans get a W? I think they do. I, I do. I think they learned something from last week, too, in the fact that They've got to put the pedal down and they've got to keep it down. And, and, and they've got to make sure that in every opportunity they get the points that they've got to get. I, didn't, I don't care to hear any more of Bobby Slowick's responses. And a lot of people were reading it into it a couple of different ways about third and one, fourth and one that you had brought up that we both noticed were not the right play calls. I think what he did there without saying it outright because they're always being hyper-protective of CJ, and I think they should, was the fact that the, the first and second options that they were supposed to go to were taken away. They weren't there. So he went with what he knows best to do, which is off script, let it yeah. fly, and especially if you got a guy with a step. But I think overall they learned some things last week. They understand now that everything has more magnitude. There's more of a substance to every play that happens in the course of games like this that are trying to either make sure they make the playoffs or that they get disappointed and sent home. And I think they'll handle their business. I think that kind of to what you, you and I were talking about uh, last segment, I think they'll establish a lead instead of playing from behind like last week. And I think they'll find a way to hold on to it. Yeah, I think so too. I think, I think the Texans get a victory this weekend. I think we're talking like a 27-21 game. I don't think that you're going to blow them out. They're, their defense is too good. Frankly, I wouldn't be shocked if it's like 21-14. And, and you just have two teams that you know grind it out for four quarters and one team squeaks away at the very end of the game. I think the big thing, you know, talking about that third and one and fourth and one, I thought it was interesting. I don't, I don't really know what the, the wrong or right answer is from, like, an offensive coordinator when they say Bobby Sloak said that he would call the same plays again. They've just they've got to figure it out. It, it is I, I've been critical about it for weeks now. I know we've talked about it so much, but it is, like, the number one flaw of the Houston Texans going back to week one is that on third and short, fourth and short, two-point conversions – they have really been objectively terrible. And, like, they have just not found a way to finish the job and, and convert that down. And, and frankly, like the one thing I don't like about last week's was even though the run game's not working well, you have a third and one. Run it. If you want to throw it on fourth and, fourth and inches, fourth and one, that's fine. I just think, like, you should try not to do the same exact thing multiple times. And that's what we've seen from Slow too. Yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. If, you're wanna, if you want to take a shot on one of the two plays, that's fine. But you have to at least try and run the ball because, especially because what we you've been very uh, astute and critical first about pointing out their play calls all year on fourth down have been terrible. So you don't want to get there without at least trying your best effort, which is what you haven't had, which is Damian Pierce in the backfield on a fourth down, where if nothing else about does he fit the system or not that he can do is no matter where you hit him, he can get yards after after the the, the first contact and he can get a, you a yard when you need it. Pierce deserved at least one opportunity to run it, 
and if they didn't get it, then you run play action. You have the chance to either still hand it off, you can try and get around the outside, you can set up one option to throw a, a quick screen, and you can still get the first down. I just think that they the play calls, whether it was the play called or what transpired with what he saw on the defensive end, you can't take two deep shots on third and fourth and one. Yeah, definitely. One thing I've, I've changed a little bit about my philosophy and like view of like what's happened is I do think there should be a conversation now to the point where I, I feel like I've been too critical of Bobby and haven't focused enough on CJ. Because I do feel like he's the one also that has like failed to execute. You know, both those throws, guys were open. Like yeah. that is the thing is, it's not like he was throwing into triple coverage and trying to find something open. Tank and Schultz were open. Like he had a he had a shot at both guys, and he just failed to you know complete those passes in the moment. So I think CJ definitely takes some of the brunt of it. But the run game is going to be huge. The Broncos do not have a good run defense, right? And I I would assume Devin Singletary is going to get a majority of the carries. This weekend, I really don't think that Damian Pierce is going to be a big factor in this offense going forward, whether it's now or next year or ever. Uh, Joe, I, I think that the beginning of the end has already started for Damian Pierce as a Houston Texan. Simply I agree. Because of the fact that it's not that he's not a good football player. It's just not he's not a good fit schematically with what they're trying to do. So I think you're absolutely right. But I, I think that they ha- it's imperative that they run the football. It's imperative that they establish doing something well that for the two weeks prior to last week when Pierce came back that Singletary showed they can do. And so the loss of Howard's going to be a problem because it's going to factor in. Do you think it's going to be? Well, because I think that, you know what, he was playing in the interior. So he was part of the reason why they were able to create some opportunities between the tackles to yeah. get some yards. I, honestly, I, I'll be, I'm going to be very curious to see how this plays out. Like, if you look at, you know, I know we've all kind of talked about how we don't fully believe in pro football focus. But, like, they crushed Titus Howard every single week and, and grade him poorly. Last week, I thought the offensive line, just from just visually, not a super trained eye, like, it looked the pressure was much less once he left the game. He had a bad game last week. Yeah, There's no doubt like, about it. It's kind of like the Kenyon Green thing. Like, are they just going to be better off without him? And because he's out of position, he's not playing well. Maybe he has been hurt this whole time, and that definitely factors in. Like, I don't think it's a bad contract still. It's just been unlucky. Ooh. I'm, I think it can be. If he's not going to be your right tackle for the next several years and play at a high level, and you're paying him as one of the top five right tackles in the game, I think it can be. No, it I think can it can be. be a problem. Yeah. But I think, look, you have to tip your cap to a guy that has played musical chairs for you in multiple 100%. seasons. 100%. Playing every position he's asked to play, no matter whether he plays it well or not. He's going to get hammered when he doesn't play it well. But in a lot of cases, he's completely out of position trying to do you a solid. So I don't want to really have him punished for that. I just feel like for the long term, they might be better suited to find somebody else because that's a lot of money to be paying a guy like that. Yeah, the benefit of the Titus Howard contract is kind of twofold, is that the Texans, A, have a ton of cap space. B, they're expecting the NFL cap to jump 40 to 60 to $70 million over the next, like, three years because of the gambling money that's coming in, a new TV deal. So, like, it's not going to be – it's not going to hurt you as much as it would have just, like, two years ago. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see – with Juice Scruggs, that this line, at least whether it's running or passing, is improved to at least where it's been the last two weeks. Here's the problem, though, Joe, and I hear what you're saying, but I would counter that to say, but aren't you a little bit concerned that this is going to be the first real game that this kid plays a full game in the NFL at a position in a game where he is going to be counted on in a pretty large way? And Vance Joseph is a good defensive coordinator. Like, I know people thought he was going to get fired after the Dolphins game, but... You know, they gave up 70 points in that game 
in that game. They've given up 80 points in their last five. So, like, if you're going to find someone that's going to pick apart this team, I think Vance Joseph, he falls into that category where, yeah, you have to be a little concerned. I mean, look, look, the reality is, is the Houston Texans are going to play a game this weekend with their six different offensive line combination, and they're going to have two of the five starters that they projected. I guess if you count Scruggs now, three of the five starters, but Scruggs will be out of position, that they thought they were going to have when, when the season started. Like, you, you knew at the start of the season you had Tunsil, yeah. you had Shaq, you had Titus, you had Scruggs, you had Kenyon Green, and right now three of those guys are there and Scruggs is playing left guard. See, but I think that part of the reason, too, that and I had a little different angle of looking at it. You had three veterans that you trust, right, on that offensive line. Yeah. You didn't know what Juice was going to give you right away. You assumed that over time he was going to be exactly why they drafted him so high. But you also had a couple of options at center as well because you didn't know what you were going to get from any of the young guys. Now you're forced to take both of those young guys and put them into the mix at a time when you absolutely have to have them play at a very high level. And that's a bit concerning because of the fact that you also lose one of the guys that you were counting on to be a veteran to stabilize the line. So the line is going to be huge for them both in the pass and the run game because it's going to be different than it's been no matter what because Howard's out. But interior blocking, can they do what they need to do so they can run the football effectively, which they have to do against this defense? Uh, quick NFL note, and one that could in a couple weeks affect the Houston Texans, Joe Flacco is officially going to be the starting quarterback in 2023 for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, what are we doing? I, you know, but, but I hear he's I got, I hear his arm is still super strong. We'll see. I, I think Can it be accurate? I don't know. Can it's, he be a game manager and more, which is what he's been in the past? I think the idea that Joe Flacco could be starting a playoff game this year like blows my mind. It's crazy. And honestly, but you my, know what? Money's good. Even to be like the fourth string quarterback or whatever it is, and now the starter, I'm sure he's making like six million dollars, probably just doing this. All right, he's Joel Blank. I'm Joe George filling in for Jeremy Brandon. We'll have DJ Bienemy from ESPN.com join us here at four o'clock at Nick's place. We'll play Who Said It at four thirty. Uh, coming up next, I was listening to the Ryan Masillo podcast. Todd McShay was on. Uh, he's out of work, so he's on there like at least once a week. And he said that the two quarterbacks. Is he out of work? Yeah, they got rid of McShay. Really? In the big layoff when they, before they hired McAfee. Uh, McShay said that the top two quarterbacks in the NFL, that you want to have the ball in their hands, you believe they're guaranteed going to win the game, is Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. So my question is, if those are the top two, do you agree, A, B, how far away is C.J. Stroud from the top two? It's the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Apollo Men's Health, best in the business at getting you feeling like your old self again. It could be more energy on a daily basis. It could be a workout program and being able to chart the results or recover quicker. It could be losing weight without ever going to the gym by getting new FDA-approved semi-glutide. All the options for all the things that might be ailing you are there, and you can be feeling like your best self all over again. Go to ApolloMH.com right now and see all the services they offer. If you find a few that you think could interest you, sign up for your first appointment right there online. When you sign up, you're going to find out most major insurance is accepted, discounts for military personnel and first responders. Mention my name, Joel Blank. You can get your lab results for free if you get in there and start doing blood work and start to figure out the things that you need to do better. Or you can get a body composition analysis for free or a B12 shot like I get every week. They take care of their customers because they care. You can be the next in line to get in there and start feeling like your best self all over again. Tell them I sent you by. Get in there right now. Go to ApolloMH.com. Sign up for an appointment and get it done for the new year. 
ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Sweet Sassy Molassie. Clever metaphors and catchphrases escape me. Like a fat girl waving her trophy from the smell contest. Sweet Sassy Molassie, I'm trying my best here. You're live in the Knicks Place Hive with the Killer Bees. Let's get back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios and your host, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. The Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joel Blank and Joe George hanging out with you here today celebrating the 30th anniversary of Nick's Place. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. Come hang out with us. Um, Joel's eating some pizza. I'm oh eating some pizza. Joel looks like he's in heaven. I know I'm just like, telling you. Every time we come here, it reminds me of how good their pizza is. And everybody's, what's the best pizza? You know, it depends on your, your, your fans. Do you like hand toss? Do you like... You know, deep dish, do you like thin crust? Nick's Pizza, it, you put it up against anybody. It is fantastic. Deep dish is not real pizza. It's closer to lasagna. I know I'm like. It's still old, great. I know. I just don't. I guess I was forced to eat it too much. Like, it was like every graduation, every family party, everything was always like we go to like Lumal Nadi's or something like that. I just got tired of it after a while. I like thin crust. I like pizza. Giordano's. Like great. I know I like deep dish too, but like waiting 45 minutes for pizza is too much. And like, thank call you ahead, do that here. Handle the business, not, but then you can handle the business. They don't do that. You can't call ahead for an in-person order. They don't allow that. You Actually, sure? No, I'm not. Okay. Now that I there say you that. go. Um, one thing I was talking, I mentioned near at the end of the break there. I was listening to the Ryan Rosillo podcast on the way in. He had Todd McShay on, yep. and they started just getting into a discussion about like Jalen Hurts and like how he's elevated himself as a quarterback in the NFL, and that right now that there are two quarterbacks that kind of make you feel the way that you felt about Tom Brady. That like with two minutes left in the game, you fully believe that this quarterback is going to lead your team down the field, get a field goal, get a touchdown, get the victory. McShay's at the top two were Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. I would say for me to start, I would tend to agree with that. The only other quarterback I would include in that same like tier of of quarterback that has the ball with two minutes left and you need a victory is Joe Burrow. Yeah, and he's hurt. I, I agree with that. Now, the one that I would question more is Hurts. You believe that Hurts is, cap- is a guy that you believe that strongly in? He keeps doing it. Like he just keeps doing it. He did it a lot against Buffalo the other day. Like he just he keeps finding a way. Like well, what he okay, but done. I'll take but Joe. I'll ta- I hear you, but I'll take that Kansas City game going. They were getting worked for most of that game. They couldn't do anything offensively. And because he hooks up on one long ball, that's, all that that's the difference in the game. I think when you're talking about a guy that you're putting it in his hands and you're trusting him, he's taking you on a drive. He's putting six, seven, eight plays together. He's managing the clock and the offense and doing what he needs to do. I don't – I mean, look, I've seen C.J. do it. I'm not going to say Jalen Hurts can't do it. I think Burrow absolutely has done it on two different levels where he can do it. But it, it is – it's to the bigger picture, too, of let's just be honest in the fact that there isn't another Tom Brady walking through that door. Like, the things Brady did, he did over multiple, multiple years, right? So he's on a level by himself. Now, a lot of people want to put Mahomes there already. Mahomes has done enough early on to at least make everybody believe he's the best quarterback in football. I don't think that's an argument. But he's still, when the game's on the line, he's got to keep doing it, right? But he's done it enough to where, obviously, that's not a discussion. I think Burrow... If he's not hurt, he's in the discussion. I think Hurts has done enough to where you consider it. And I think C.J. has a lot more he has to do for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But, you know, and I know we got a lot of Cowboy fans that listen and everything like that. But Dak finally starts looking like the guy that everybody wanted him to be all along. But the one thing that Dak still hasn't done in big games and big situations, he's got to lead his team to victory, and he's got to do that in order to kind of get that off of his back. So I think that you can look a lot of different ways, but I think you've got the right candidates in what we're talking about. CJ's the young up-and-coming guy that could do it. Yeah. Brady's the GOAT. Mahomes has proven himself, and if Jalen and if anybody's already on their on their way to doing it, it's Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean Jalen's done it eight times in his career. Mahomes has done it fifteen. Obviously, Mahomes' career has done it fifteen. That's crazy. Game-winning yeah, drives or, yeah, or yeah. fourth-quarter comebacks. Not now that that statistic is not exactly with two minutes left or less, but like it's generally in that time frame. But I I think Jalen is right up there. Like I think those are the top three quarterbacks that like. They just they always make the right decisions. Like Josh Allen to me can never will never be in this conversation. He is always, never uh, he's got like six years of proving me wrong because the data, the numbers tell me he's 0-6 in overtime. See, here's the problem. I don't disagree with you, right? But in order to be in that game, and it, it, it's weird because it's the only calling card he really truly has. Yeah. But what he did and didn't do in that game against Kansas City was enough to basically say, hey, look, man, this dude didn't lose this football game. The rules did, and, right? And that's where, like, I think, like, we had this conversation about CJ, like, two or three, like, two weeks ago, about, like, how high, or maybe it was this week, I don't remember, how high is the ceiling for CJ Stroud? I think that that's why the conversation is at the point now where he has to win games to elevate himself much farther. Like, I think it is a general fair consensus that he is a top 10 quarterback already in the NFL, top five, top six. He's in that category. And the reason why, like, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert aren't really, you know, can, can't catch Mahomes and Burrow and Hurts is because they can't win playoff games. And they've just they failed to do so. Either they've had limited opportunity, like Justin Herbert, or they've just failed to do so like Josh Allen has. But, like, how many guys are you taking in front of C.J. Stroud of, like, just, like, confidence level? They're just on your television, and you believe this guy is going to lead his team down the field to a game-winning drive. Everyone's healthy. Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts. I know, oddly, I still have Justin Herbert in that conversation. I still think he is a superstar quarterback. Like, that when he has a better coach next year, I think the Chargers are going to be a real super threat in the AFC. Yeah, I can see that. I I definitely believe in him. I think he got dealt a bad hand, but in a different way than a lot of these guys that get multiple coordinators, multiple playbooks, and multiple head coaches, and it screws with their head, and they're never the right guy. He got the worst part about getting a guy that didn't disappear in one year, that put him in a lot of predicaments and bad situations, that at the end of the day, he's wearing it for the whole team, but it really was on his head coach. And I think if you get an offensive-minded head coach that really works with him, I think he has all the tools to still be really, really good to great for a long period of time. So I'm not going to close the book on him either. But I think the list is pretty short because of the fact that we talk about all the time. You can be a, a top 15 quarterback in this league. You can be Kirk Cousins, make a ton of money, yep. win a lot of regular season games. But you, until you start showing that you can do these, the, these lead these game-winning drives, win these playoff games, take your team to another level, then that's just who you are. And, and, and there's no reason to think you're any more than that. I don't see anybody else kind of on the horizon where I go, well, this guy looks like he could be there in a year or two. Or a couple of years. I just don't see that right yeah, now. Yeah, Tua's not often enough in the position to where I feel like, and he keeps losing these games against, you know, really good defenses and teams where I feel like he kind of ex- excluded himself from the conversation. Um, I really, I don't really think there's anyone else I want to consider. You know, Dak Prescott is an interesting name. 
Last night didn't do anything to like make me believe in the Dallas Cowboys anymore. Like if you look at who they're playing recently, their schedule coming up too. Because so far they've been beaten up on cupcakes, but their schedule coming up is going to tell you a lot about who they are. It was you know watching the the kid we've all been talking about potentially taking over defensive rookie of the or a defensive player of the year getting cooked last night by DK Metcalf all night long. I know he got one pick, but like last night's game, I don't know what to make of it from the Dallas Cowboys. Good win. But, like, I much, don't Much I don't know. needed win for them to kind of start to cool the critics down a little bit. Good, much needed win for Dak to basically prove that, hey, I'm worthy of being in the MVP conversation this year. But the schedule's going to dictate everything with the Cowboys for Dak and the Cowboys going forward because you got the Lions and you got the Eagles and you got the Bills and I think you got the Chiefs. Can I be honest with you? I don't care about any of it. I'm at the point now with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys where they could lose all of their next games. If they win playoff games, that's all that matters. They could beat every single one of those teams. If they lose in the first round of the playoffs because they're not going to be the number one seed, they're just still the same old Cowboys. But the thing is, Joe, if they don't care about those games and they don't do it the right way, they might not be in a position to do. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Because you're right. The ultimate way that the check is signed for them and it's cashed and they've taken it to another level is he and they have to win playoff games. And, and maybe because the NFC is so weak, I could see them winning their first game. But they're not on the same level as Philadelphia, and they're not on the same level of San Francisco. And I just don't see, no matter what they do in the regular season, convincing me of otherwise. Yeah, it's just it's so interesting because, like, I, I believe in them now more than I've ever believed in them, but I still have so many questions. Like, what they've done. I can't because I, I know their head coach. I know. You've seen enough of them, too. I but just like, the way they've unlocked C.D. Lamb, I, I feel like it just, like, puts them on another level. I mean, if right now, I mean, think about it this way. If the Cowboys lose their first playoff game, Pete, there might be an argument to, like, Mike McCarthy to be fired. I believe that. Because they're the five seed, and they're going to be the now, five seed, which means they are going to play the winner of the NFC South. The biggest problem you have, though, Joe, is the guy that, Jerry Jones wanted when he would have considered moving on from Mike McCarthy is coaching against the Texans this weekend. You know what's so interesting about that? Like, they could have done it. Like, we heard those rumors for so long, and I think you're right. We heard those rumors for so long. They could have just moved on from McCarthy and gotten the Peyton deal done. I don't think Jerry wanted to pay him and give up draft capital. Yeah. And he thought that if Peyton just decided to sit it out for a year... He could have got him. He this still could have got him. Yeah, that's a good point. It's just it's going to be. I'm. Fat. I think the Cowboys are probably to me. They are the most interesting team of every single team that's going to make the playoffs this year because the way they're playing right now, offensively, defensively, you have probably one of the best players, one of the top five players in the NFL, in Micah Parsons. C.D. Lamb's a monster. Like they should be, they should be a real Super Bowl contender this year. And I think we're all kind of like how you feel and how I feel. And like they're just not. It's bizarre. It is. It is because of the fact that, like you said, they've done all that they have could possibly do. They are the Kirk Cousins as from a team perspective. They are the Kirk Cousins of the NFL. They've done enough to win regular season games to make you believe. They're not dog snot. They're not terrible. But what they have to do to prove people that they're better than that is something that I'm not sure they're capable of doing. They might win their first playoff game, but I don't think they're capable of going into San Francisco or going into Philadelphia and this is going to be a great game to see where they match up regular season-wise. But in a playoff game where it's all ramped up, I just ha- I got to see it. All right. We have seen video now of Amen Thompson starting to get some work for the Houston Rockets, making it feel like his return could be very soon for your Rockets. When are you ready 
when he's back to see the young guys take over and become the focus of this team. We'll talk about it next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. We keep getting away with it. He can't keep getting away with it. What were you doing 30 years ago? Well, I was on one of Nick's TVs here scooping up yards as a running back for the Houston Oilers. Not sure what the bees were doing, but they're about to tell you. Here's Joel and Jeremy. All right, we'll let Spencer start the segment today. What were you doing 30 years ago? 30 years ago. I was one. I just started working for the Houston Rockets. I left the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, I left the Portland Trailblazers. I became the youngest broadcasting department head in the league and had zero clue all the stuff that I was supposed to do and was just trying to get settled in with the Rockets for a long run. Yeah, I was one years old. Okay. So I was in diapers. That's what I was doing 30 years ago. Does that I, make you feel I was old? collecting jewelry and winning championships. That's a good, you were. Yeah, you were. Just let that let me know if you're going to come back with that. Um. So we, so we know what Ben Thompson, like, he's on his way. He'll be back soon-ish. It's, ankle injuries are always kind of weird, like, whether it's high ankle, low ankle, like it always just depends on the player, pain tolerance, all that stuff. But obviously, like, they're not going to rush him back. There's no reason to. Can you have a GM ankle? What's that, man? That's a general manager's ankle where the general manager thinks we're going to give him extra time because we're going to showcase some veterans. Well, it's not the first time he's hurt his ankle also. True. He hurt it in summer league, wasn't it? I'm uh, not saying that he didn't hurt it. What I'm saying is, is that like you're giving him a little more time to. The general manager says, "We're you're too valuable." He says all the right things. We're going to bring you back real slow. We're going to make sure that we don't do too much. But in the process, what he's really trying to do is he's trying to establish his veterans so that teams notice them, so he can get something for them. Yeah, it's I'm I'm really curious to see like where we'll be in two months when we get to the deadline with the Rockets. Like, I, I think probably I think I just I would say right around 500. Like that's what this team feels like to me. Like they are a five hundred, kind of right where they're hovering right now. Yeah, like they're they're going to be a five hundred basketball team, a couple games below, a couple games above. Like they're going to be right there, and and they're going to have really interesting decisions to make at the deadline. Like, will you make a push for the playoffs and try to acquire someone, or will you unload assets and open up playing time for the young guys? And that's where I kind of wanted to go with this was. You know, once he's healthy, once Amen Thompson's healthy, mm-hmm. like when are you? We know Aaron Holiday won't be a factor. But like, when do you want to see him become the starting point guard? When do you want to see Cam Whitmore, you know, be super relevant in this offense and on this team? As soon as possible? I think what if I go with what I said about what I think that they're trying to do organizationally, I think that Aaron Holiday has value in the league as a backup point. And you see some of the guys. I watched the game last night. I watched the Bucks game last night with the Bulls. And you see that team stinks. Guys, that your Bulls snuck another one out with no one on the roster because at least one time a year, Milwaukee will absolutely roll over and play dead in a game that they should crush the Bulls and lose a game they should have won. But when you talk about Cameron Payne, when you talk about these guys, it's kind of like a backup quarterback in the NFL. If you find the right team, you can make a living, and in some case, you can make a killing. By just doing your job in small doses. And I think Aaron Holiday, he's not as good a shooter as those guys, but Aaron Holiday on a good team could be a, a wanted chip. I think that when you look at some of the other, I think Jeff Green could be a wanted piece as much as he's doing a lot of great things both on and off the floor for this team right now. At a certain point, he might have more value to another team with a playoff push 
where they might give you a second-round pick or something that you've been throwing away like candy on, on Halloween to where you could add something for the long term to your team. I think by right before the trade deadline is the, is the absolute last point in time where Amen Thompson has to be playing by then. It might be a little sooner than that, but I think you're going to have to bide, bide some time right now while he plays the veterans. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think right now it's about you know figuring out the roles of all these guys, and, and I think what we'll see is we'll see their roles grow as they earn it. Like That's one thing I like about having Ime Adoka as the head coach of the Houston Rockets is he's not going to just hand over playing time. He's going to bench Jalen Green in the fourth quarter when he's not playing well and that other unit that's in is playing much better. So, like, I would like to kind of just as long as they continue that, I'm good with whatever playing time that they do. I know people are, like, looking at Cam and, like, these, like, five, six-minute stretches that he's in and he's putting up numbers that they're like, oh, well, if he played 25 minutes this game. We all know that's not how it really works. I would like to see Cam play more, for sure. I would, too. But you know what, Joe? Part of it is just the maturity of handling yourself at all times. From what I heard, he wasn't happy he wasn't playing, and he wasn't like treated like a first-round pick on, on other teams sure. from the time he came in. And, and that's why he got sent down. And the same way you said, the way Udoka said, I'm going to bench Jalen Green or Jabari Smith, and I'm going to teach them something as a teachable moment. I think they're working on teaching Cam a lot of things right now, too. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a reason why this team has jumped in, like, well, I don't know if they're still number one in the NBA in defense, but they were at one point. They're definitely right. still in the top five. And, and like, it's just been impressive to see this team so dramatically change their identity because it's not like – that's why I view it so differently than the Texans in a way. Like, the Texans, like, it's, it's C.J. Stroud. He yep, is, yep. like, the main identity changer – of this team. Although D'Amico had played a role. For sure. But, like, the defense is not where I wanted it to be with D'Amico Ryans. And I think it's still where, like, you look at the Texans and you say every part or every dollar they spend in free agency, I almost want to be all on the defensive side. Where with the Rockets, it just seems like collectively, like, they have bought in with Ime Adoka and that they are moving into a new direction as a franchise. Because, like, look what's happening with, with, like, the teams that are with you at the top of the draft. The The... Pistons have lost 16 15 games. 15 in a row. They didn't, they're the first team since 2015 to not win a single game in a month in the NBA season. Yeah, I think they're at 16 now. The Spurs, are, I think, are at 13 games in a row. Like, those teams are going in the worst direction possible. Coincidentally, the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Pistons is uh, Steven Steve Silas. Silas. Uh, so maybe he was a huge part of the problem the last well, I, couple I told years. you that. I mean, as much as I didn't want to say too much, there's no doubt Steven Silas was the biggest detriment to this. And look, I, I'm gonna, and I, 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 guess, I guess it's a prerequisite to have the prerequisite of always saying, hey, he's a great guy. Don't he's a care. super nice guy. The fact of the matter is he was the wrong guy for this job, and he really was a detriment to the development of a lot of the young players on the team. But I think as much as I've always said the, the parallels and comparisons between Texans and Rockets, right? I think it's a flip side. It's flipped in this case. I think you're right. I think C.J. Stroud is the main reason why this turnaround happened with the Houston Texans, and then it's D'Amico. I think from a Rockets perspective, as much as people are trying to give the veterans their flowers early and give credit where credit is due Who's with your the top roster, player? Udoka, Udoka is the reason why okay. this team has turned around. And then the next on the list. I'm curious what you're going to say. Is the fact, well... Because my answer is Alpi. It's Alpi. But here's the thing. I'm going to give Van Vliet credit because of the fact that he's doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people don't realize in terms of holding guys accountable and making sure on the court they do what they're supposed to do. He got into it with Jalen a few times, too, to basically say, if you're going to be on the floor with us, this is what you're going to do. But I think that Alpi's their best player, mm-hmm. where you and you really can't like narrow it down, pinpoint it, and say, un- 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 unabashed, 
best player in the next five years for the Rockets could be any one of, like, a number of guys. Right now it's Alpi, but it's not like it's cut and dried like with the Texans where you go, I mean, C.J. Stroud's your best player, and no one's going to argue with you. I have no idea. When the when the Rockets are a legitimate playoff contender, I have no idea who the best player on that team is going to be. I don't think he's on the team yet, Joe. Because I think there's still an argument that it could be Jalen or Jabari and there's also or Men Thompson. There's also an argument that he might not even be on the team yet. I can't wait to see like the trade rumors. It seems like the Joel Embiid stuff is already dead. It was a fun summer of rumors for Joel Embiid once again. But I think you're probably right. Like The, the next big name. Are you pro, just very quickly, like December 1st? Yeah. We're not. We're like we're two months away, two and a half months away or so from the trade deadline. Yep. If the Rockets are the like seven seed at the time of the deadline, are you pro trading for a big name player, knowing that you have assets like Jay Sean Tate and guys that you're already willing to trade, but like swing for the fences right now, trade for I don't know Demar Derozan. I don't think it's the right move for this franchise right now. I think it, and it also really de- depends greatly on what you have to give up, right? So if you're just talking about Jay Sean Tate and Jeff Green and, you know, lesser pieces, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to evaluate the potential of bringing on a guy that not only could be a difference for this season but might be a part of your future. But I'm not going to do it right now at the expense of Jabari or Jalen or guys that are better and, you know, bigger pieces. Yeah, there's, there's also like an age gap there, right? Like if you're going to make a big trade – trade draft capital you're not moving those guys i think i'm more like just like a, a really good veteran that helps this team compete now but even then like if they're playing good basketball like there is probably a risk of you know shaking up the team chemistry and whatever they're building and trying to force a new piece in to the middle of the season it could be like a little like backward it could put you back a little bit some of the young if you guys. could get a shooter that's what they need see i think if you could get a shooter it's not going to cost you as much because it's it's a valued skill, but there's a lot of them in the league. Yeah. Where you get a shooter, you don't have to give up as much to get him, and all he's got to do is kind of like a, a better version of, of Gary Bird. Just get a guy that can make some threes for you and some shots that can come off the bench that you have to respect, and that team already becomes better. I'll tell you what, the, one, the number one player on my list, I just don't know how much he's going to cost because I think he's going to be the most uh, wanted piece at the deadline for contending teams. It's Caruso. Well, they, honestly, they've already like, said that the Lakers. I know it was supposed to be Levine, and the Lakers know that they blew it when they didn't get when well, they when they didn't bring in Demar the first time. Yeah, they want Demar to come home, and they want Caruso to come home. Apparently, uh, Woj said today on some podcasts that there is zero trade market for Zach Levine. Good, he's not a good player. He's Zach a, Levine is a good player. Stat stat sheet stuffer. All right, we're going to take a break here. We are live at Nick's Place for the 30th anniversary party. We're going to have DJ Bienemy from ESPN.com. He'll join us next here on The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. If you want in, you have to audition. Hi, I'm Carrie Dubeck, and I'm reading for the role of man at party who smells fart. 